podcast. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. I'm bi trans Lebanese, and today we are interviewing no one. Yeah, it's just us today. It's just us today. It's Thanksgiving, um, the day of the colonizers. <laughs> so, anyway, I mean, the positive thing about this holiday is it does bring families together, um, which can be both fun or stressful. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was just telling, it's like, may your Thanksgiving uh, drama be both not involving you and far away. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I just, yeah, it's, a, I guess it's important to remember why we have this holiday and then also be grateful for the aspects that, you know, the are, positive aspects, the positive aspects, like, um, it is a chance to, uh, sit down, be, um, for, it's a chance for togetherness, um, and I just hope that people listening are with people who they want to be with today. Whatever it is that you're doing, if you're eating, if you're working even, or whatever is going on today, I hope you're with people you want to be with. Or if you're not with people, I hope you're doing something that you feel good about or that like you're enjoying your own company even. Yeah, uh, like this Thanksgiving. Well, we had an early uh, Thanksgiving with our with one of our groups, and mm-hmm. it was just a bunch of you know queer brown people breaking bread and having really good food. And it was awesome, but I think what we were really talking wanted to talk about was the March for Redaction. This is like yeah. I know we did we did an episode on it, but I just kind of want to talk about it and like all the cool shit. Yeah, just kind of a recap um, from our perspective because we did it at. I mean, our last episode was at Mark for Redaction, so we wanted to do a recap of what the weekend meant to us, what we did, um, what we saw, who we saw, blah, 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 blah. So, Oh, and bonus yeah. points, there will be Saudi discussions at the end of this. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to start with this, and then at the end, um, I'm going to give some updates on what's going on with in Saudi Arabia, and uh, yeah, yeah, prepare yourself. I mean, this is stuff people know about, but still needs to, still needs to be talked about. So, okay. for March for Reaction, we, of course, arrived on queer time, so we were a day late. Nah. A day late? No, 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 I was thinking of something else. I was thinking... That was Yellow Punk. Yeah. Oh, anyway. March for Redaction went for a month, and we went for a weekend that we were able to go. Still late. That's true. We <laughs> were almost a month late. We were about three weeks late. <laughs> But yeah, uh, okay. So Anyways, uh, basically, we met up with six friends. Uh, it was this Yemeni restaurant, I believe. Yeah. And we got a booth, and it's this tiny, like tr- typical to New York. It was tiny. It looked family run, but the food was incredibly tasty, and the service was awful. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, there just weren't many staff. You know, there's not enough staff Yeah, it's, there. it's not like, a reflection of the staff. It's a re- Not at all. No, it was an amazing place. It's just, you know, you need to allot yourself time. It was very packed when we were there. We barely... It was really hard to even get well, seats. Like, it took a while. Yeah, well, we so. took over, like, one way too small for us table. And when a booth took opened up, we just, we just like... Grabbed it. We basically <laughs> rushed it. And they were cool with it. Um, yeah. They so, got it. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, this place was so good, and 
We ended up sticking around for, I want to say, three hours. Um, so typical dinner. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, it was yeah it wasn't just it wasn't only because it took some time to get the food it was like we just We're, wanted to keep hanging out together yeah i mean so six queer you know <laughs> ethnically diverse people yes and we were talking about all this stuff we were talking about you know our friends and lovers without any censorship which was nice Mm -hmm. Oh, we talked about and we also segued into some of the most gruesome, maybe inappropriate topics ever, which we won't talk about right now. But one of the discussions we came into, which I really loved, was like, what do you call a group of loud, queer Arab women? And we. Funny. Oh, please start over. It wasn't a group of women. One of them is they them. Okay. Start that part. Okay. So, but it doesn't make sense if I do it that way. All right. All right. We'll just drop it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have to remember to edit that. Okay. I just don't want to, I don't want to like disrespect people's gender. Okay. That's fair. Anyway. Anyway, so. Towards the end, after all this amazing food, by the way, the fool was amazing. It was just so good. Everything we ate was so good. The fool, the um, the liver. The liver. Oh my god, the liver was so good. And anyway, so um, we were talking. I don't think we were super loud. You guys were super loud. You were, y'all were super duper loud. Okay. It well, was. We were laughing nonstop. Just having so much fun everything we were talking about was just so yeah i mean just anything you could take think of we we talked about i would call it flow state conversation where you're just so into it and happy to do it but it's also almost like meditative yeah yeah but and where there's you none of you none of us had any filters we were just talking about like the grossest stuff ever and the most beautiful stuff ever. yeah yeah and we felt we just all felt really comfortable with each other anyway toward the end we got to maybe the most inappropriate topic of the night and ellie turned around and saw people were starting to pray um on the other side of the restaurant so we that was our cue to leave because that timing we we didn't mean to do that it was just like the timing. No, no, no. We got to give this context. So behind us were a bunch of gentlemen who looked traditionally dressed. Uh, and we were doing all, and we were like, they were the booth behind us. So they definitely, we were definitely in earshot of them, but yeah. you know, it didn't bug them a bit. So yeah, I, no one gave us any shit, yeah, which yeah. I appreciated. So uh, a little bit after they sat down, like a couple dudes rolled out the prayer mats and started facing east to pray. And we were still having this very loud conversation. When she says across the restaurant, it's like less than 10 feet. So. Yeah. And we were still having this wildly inappropriate, wildly fun conversation. And I just sort of let it go on until I said, uh, hey, guys, they're praying. And everyone was I like. I was really embarrassed at that point. Like. Everyone was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was our cue to leave. So we got up. I mean, we paid, or maybe we had already paid. I don't remember. We we, I think we got we had up. already paid. Yeah. Um, and we were just kind of hanging out a little longer. And so we just got up and kind of bolted out. 
Um, anyway, the overall that first night in New York altogether was so amazing. I loved it. It was one of my, I mean, one of definitely the highlights of the weekend. Yeah. And that was even before going to Mark for Redaction to the actual event. Yeah, so, so we end up next day we end up going to Mark to Mark for Redaction. It is in the Flux Factory, which is this uh oh, it's this little art space in Queens. Yeah, in Long Island City, which is a part of Queens. So and we walk in and it's basically this refer this formerly factory space. It even had the little the roller belt. Yeah. On the side, and we walk in, and the show isn't explicitly billed as queer Arab or queer queer Swana. Yeah. But when you walk in, it is, it's pretty like. It's the, clear, yeah. It's pretty gay. Yeah, yeah, and the um, Hilal was saying, if you hear the other episode about Mark for Redaction, you can hear Hilal talking about how he wanted this to be, like an exhibit where you look at the work and then you can understand from it that there is queerness, a queerness or a queer element, I guess, but it's like the artists are not described up front as queer. So. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of interesting exhibits. Uh, I was definitely drawn to the, uh, the salad one. I think we discussed that last time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But what we actually end up doing most of the time, aside from, you know, observing art, is sitting down in the Habibi room, which is, oh my God, which was like, which I think was the true draw and highlight for of the show because, like, no disrespect to the artist, but just having that sort of community space where, mm -hmm. you know, well, the art, I think, the art all tied in very well to the Habibi room because you could like look at the art and then sit in the Habibi room and think about it, talk about it. Um, you could still see it, most of the art from where you were sitting in the yeah. Habibi room. But I also think of, like the art also served as a bit of a filter for who would sit down in the Habibi room too. You know, because if they didn't like the art or they weren't comfortable with it, I don't think they would have stayed. That's a good point, yeah. So. So it was really nice to just feel so at home. We... Um, the last night, we just ended up with like a group of us in the Habibi room for I don't even know how long. I think it was like four or five hours. Like hours, yeah, and and we just like I don't know for for some of us it was the very very first time we met. I mean, some of some people we had already met, um, but it didn't matter. We all really fell into this comfortable state with each other and just yeah, just like felt really free and there were so many things that we didn't have to explain to each other which was really refreshing like two um, women can love each other mm -hmm. and swana related stuff like family stuff just like different things that normally either you need to explain or you just don't talk about um in regular daily life here so it was really cool to be in a room where it was filled with that element of the um so i mean people listening you can like picture the low red couches um the center tables um all that was missing was the backgammon board like yeah there were like said. little coffee pots yeah yeah so it was like it was built to be like a typical living room in 
Beirut specifically. Um, that's what it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was nicely carpeted. It was very intimate, very close, but also very open. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So to be in that space while also talking about stuff that normally you can't talk about with, for example, most of your family members or like um, most people that you might find yourself hanging out with in that type of room in general to have those topics come up in that space was really powerful and it was uh but it wasn't like all heavy topics some of it was just like us laughing about it and having mm -hmm. having fun with it just because we since we can't since the big taboo is just do not talk about it around the the family the elders the yes what will the elders think and here we were just like oh hey everyone from like you know mm -hmm. like late teens to like 50 60 year old people were just coming and hanging out and talking about this stuff and mm -hmm. and they were just being so real and it was really comfortable and nice and i know we're just sort of gushing about it in general but the, that feeling is so hard to really portray and be accurate with Mm -hmm. yeah i'm i think it deserves gushing and, and yeah and all these great discussions were sort of punctuated and broken up by people going to check out the art or having uh mm -hmm. some movies being played on a projector mm -hmm. or music or somebody be like hey where's this thing and then we go help them find the thing mm -hmm. yeah and that last night there was a musician sophia you can see um you can hear or not see you can hear some of it on our other mark for redaction episode so let's let's get into how we really embarrassed ourselves there um i don't know which incident you're talking about are you talking about the microphone um, yeah so oh, okay. uh when we got yeah. there they they had asked us there you know full disclosure they asked us to be there to do an episode there so we were like sure why not so we grabbed my laptop and the mic and we head on down However, in transit or when we were setting up, like the mic's uh, USB port got broken and it wouldn't connect anymore. Yep. And so podcasters showing up from across the country at an event without a working microphone, not embarrassing at all. Yeah. So thankfully it was a performance space. They did have spare USB microphones, which worked amazingly well. Yeah. And we were it, lucky. And we... <laughs> ordered a new microphone which you're listening to us on now yes but it was a it was a panic it was a very brief panic moment like uh the entire reason we're here is to do this and we of all things our microphone is busted so thankfully that did not stop it from happening and we carried on thanks to the help of hilal and dana who are thank amazing. you you saved our thank butts you, guys both of us. yes you did yeah um Something uh, that also sticks out to me about the Habibi room is that this style of living room is based on a communal culture. Um, it's like an assumption of a communal culture. It's or, it's large. It has a lot of space to accommodate a lot of people. Yeah. It's low to the ground, so like people who have mobility issues can just sort of mm -hmm. wander in without issue. There's... And, yeah. and you're and all facing each other. And you're all facing each other. There's, yeah. no, there's no TVs, mm -hmm. you know, no. Yeah. no distractions other than the wonderful, wonderful art. Yeah. 
And, and yeah, and so in those spaces, there's a lot of like traditionally there are a lot of like these filters that people have to have because it's like okay, whatever you say, you're basically speaking on behalf of your family as well because you know whatever you say like it's not just your individual thought um it it's a reflection on your family your family so yeah so a lot of times um in that exact type of space one feels like they can't be fully their authentic self so this was like a really cool combo of the two where you can be yourself you can be in that space um nadia was like doing these like ha uh, headstands she was and, she was definitely showing off her athletic and acrobatic ability there well and well and she like we were talking about it later and she was just like you know i this is something that um i you know i used to do as a kid and it's a familiar thing mm. and it it's kind of a reflection of how comfortable we all were with each other like where we could do these things, you know, and not feel like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to articulate. That's just an example that comes to mind because that to me shows like there's this familiar aspect or nostalgia aspect for a lot of people combined with um, this. The openness. Openness. Yeah. Um, anyway, what else? What else do we want to cover about that? Um, there were some wonderful films you could, you can hear Rad, uh, speaking when, um, the filmmaker, you can hear him speaking on the last episode about, about his films. Um, what else? Uh, where else do we eat in New York? Where else did we eat? We went to a Japanese, oh, we went to that ramen place. It was really good. I can't remember the names of the places. That's the thing so i can't like bad journalists write things down yeah uh no but yeah, there's this like little hole in the wall like the literally the only thing the only way we knew this was a restaurant at all we looked it up online we got the address we wanted the address and we were just looking around and there was basically the only thing that mm -hmm. marked it as a restaurant was this wooden door mm -hmm. uh with no windows and a curtain in front of it i think yeah and a curtain in front of it yeah. and there was a like health inspector notice in this tiny ass window above it mm -hmm. No sign saying, like, hey, you're here. It was like maybe two by two window. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you walk in and it's completely packed. So it was a um, very loved place. I see why it's, it, it was incredible. The flavors were absolutely out of this world. And um, there were a lot of places around it that had much bigger signs, much more noticeable signs, but this place was the most packed. Um, so I guess... Yeah, I guess that was a good highlight. Um, Alia was kind enough to indulge my video game collecting while we were in New York. Mm -hmm. We did that together. It was fun. We met some of the the local comic, the local used game sellers, and mm -hmm. and I saw a lot of cool stuff. Unfortunately, nothing on my wish list. But uh, full disclosure, I do love video games, and I some and I have like wish lists of retro stuff I like to collect. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And I thank you for indulging me, darling. Absolutely. Um, this is something that's important to you. Um, and I know, it's, I know the goal isn't always let me buy a game. It's just kind of let me 
check out the scene. Let me like talk to people yeah. with a shared passion. So I get it. Thank you. I don't share the passion, but I appreciate watching you, uh, I don't know, connect with people who do. So mm. what else? Well, I mean, I share. Okay, fine. I may have a passion for Mario and Donkey Kong. There's that. She does, folks. Yeah. And Yoshi. Oh, and Yoshi. Uh, the yarn game, the Yoshi. Yoshi's yarn. Woolly World. Yeah, Woolly World. I played that. I've played that twice through. And she has enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed it, so, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so fluffy, so cute, and. We have several actual yarn Yoshis laying around the house as a result. Yeah. Yep. No shame. Um. Anyway, so I guess also, what are some things that you are currently grateful for? Um, you obviously. Um, but I'm also thankful for my mom, who is very awesome and very supportive. Mm -hmm. Um. Thankful for the family members who are very awesome, and very supportive, most of the time. <laughs> Except um, that one. <laughs> you, she knows who she is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm thankful for all my friends. I don't have a very large circle of friends, but yeah. the ones who who I do keep in touch with and who I talk with are amazing. Yeah. And I I'm crying a little just thinking about how cool they are. Yeah, it's important to, you're feeling what you're saying, so it's very genuine. Um, I am very grateful for you, obviously. Um, I'm grateful for my sister, my mom, um, my aunts, my uncles, well, some of my uncles. Uh, there, there are... Definitely several family members who are consistently there for me and with me and you know, I can I never feel like an absence of them. Um, there are some There are some who are have chosen not to be in my life, which is unfortunate, but that's life um, So the ones who are in my life like I so appreciate and I don't take for granted um and then same here. I I will agree with you, Ellie. I don't have a huge, huge circle of friends or um, a large, maybe a large quantity of really good friends, but I have a handful of ones who just, I feel like I don't have to put on a face for, I don't have to filter out what I'm saying. Um, so that's something that I also don't take for granted. I am grateful for a certain sport that I do. It's like this acrobatic thing that I won't get more specific because like, then it'll be like super easy to pinpoint exactly who, who I am. I would like a little bit of privacy on, on this podcast, but I'm really grateful for that hobby, um, for music. That I sometimes play for uh, fat, stupid babies. Oh my god, our stupid cats who are amazing. Um, what else? I'm grateful for your mom too, Ellie. Your mom's amazing, oh. and I always have felt I've always felt like very accepted by her, which is 
amazing. Um, grateful for travel whenever it can happen. And yeah, so those are my my items. Any more that come to mind for you? Uh, Video games. Not all of them. Uh, some of them. <laughs> some of them. Um, <clears throat> but we can get. You want me to get into that really? Into what? Into like me talking, gushing a little on video games. If you want, yeah. Uh, definitely been into the feels trip type of video games lately. Um, Delta Rune, one shot. I definitely recommend one shot to anyone who is who wants a very awesome, very feels trippy, very adorable game. It's not about the gameplay; it's about the journey, and it is fucking awesome and mm -hmm. i recommend it to anyone who has like 10 bucks to spare and five hours on any computer so um yeah do we do we want to move on to the saudi thing now yeah okay so trigger warning right. saudi yemen uh, yeah trigger warnings up the wazoo here um uh, uh, yeah Anyone listening to this knows how fucked up Saudi Arabia is. Um, so this is not easy stuff to talk about or to hear, but I feel like it's important. If you don't want to hear about it right now, if you've already heard everything there is to hear, um, you can stop the episode. Um, but anyway, I feel like as someone who is um, <clears throat> doing this podcast and who is Saudi American, all that. Um, yeah, I think it is a responsibility I have to once in a while talk about this shit. Um, and I have the privilege to be able to. So um, so I want to start with talking about a Washington Post article that came out on November 20th. Um, it's by journalist Karim Fahim. And so I want to talk about the women's rights activists who have been imprisoned in Saudi Arabia for over six months. Um, so this article talks about that. Um, some of these women had been working for decades um, to repeal a ban on driving or women driving in Saudi Arabia. And yes, some of the like some women can now drive in Saudi Arabia, um, but there isn't much to celebrate because uh, women still need a male guardian. Plus. Those who were advocating for this, or who were putting in so much work for this lift, um, they've been imprisoned. Um, so there's that. Uh, this is all kind of, I'm sorry, but this is propaganda. I don't think there's anything to celebrate here. Yeah, it's probably exciting to finally be able to drive, but is this long term? Who knows? Um, is this actual freedom? No. If, if people still need a male guardian, how is that freedom? So anyway, that's my bitterness about that, which is very justified Link by everyone. Link will be provided to this article. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I should. <laughs> Good point. Yes, I will provide a link. Thank you for reminding me. Um, okay, so some of these activists are, I'm going to name um, the most public ones who have willingly provided the names. Uh, so Samar Badawi, there's Aziza Al-Yusuf, and Lujain Al-Hathlul. Um, so um, 
Yes. Okay. So for anonymous individuals who are familiar with the conditions of the detention of these women gave information. Yeah. Okay. So for anonymous people, maybe that's not for some folks, that's not proof or hard proof or whatever. But are we like, once I get into this, none of it will be surprising. Like it shouldn't be surprising because this country is capable of and inclined to do these things. So, and the reason that these sources are anonymous is for safety. Um, anyway, um, so women have been, uh, these reports have have um, said that women were interrogated, the people who were imprisoned. And while they were interrogated, they were given electric shocks and they were flogged. Um, some activists showed signs that they have been abused, um, like shaking uncontrollably and um, having difficulty standing. That could be any type of abuse. Um, like, yeah. Uh, Lord only, only knows. Um, so while these allegations are not possible to prove, like I said, because, yeah, there aren't any cited sources or whatever, um, this is... Like, nothing about this seems unlikely. Um, yeah. Like, the people who have provided names of sources, or, sorry, people who speak up or who would, in another universe, be able to provide names of sources of information, um, those people could, in our world, be retaliated against by the Saudi regime. So... And as we know, yeah. they are not gentle with critics. Yeah. Um, Segwaying into our next point. So, yeah. Segwaying into... Well, um, I have a little more to say about oh, this. My apologies. It's okay. Um, so there is a Saudi official who did not want to be named said in an emailed statement that the Saudi Arabia's judiciary system does not condone, promote, or allow the use of torture. Anyone, male or female, being investigated is going through... Um, the standard judiciary process led by the police, uh, sorry, oh my God, I'm flustered, by the public prosecution while being held for questioning, which does not in any way rely on torture, either physical, sexual, or psychological. Okay, so if that's the case, um, why have none of these women been ac given access to lawyers or why haven't they been actually charged with anything? So this many months later, what is the holdup if there's nothing to hide? I mean, really. <laughs> so, so this email is complete garbage. Um, also, I'm not going to name names here, but I've seen some, this is something that bothers me. I have seen some so-called feminists, including Saudi women um, who are not in Saudi, um, celebrating this driving ban lift, yet these same people don't make any mention of those who actually fought for the ban and those who were jailed for it. So I don't think that's okay. I think, um, yeah, sure, it's great on its face. It's great, like, oh, wow, women can drive. But what about the people who fought for it and are being tortured for doing so? How is this freedom? How is this, a, how is this any improvement? Um, okay, so that's my spiel about that. Here's another issue uh, regarding Saudi Arabia. So, um, yes, I would like to talk briefly about Khashoggi. 
Um, just that it's, you know, it's heartbreaking, devastating, cruel, disgusting what happened to him. Um, and he deserves the attention he's getting. I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, but he, I want to say that, like, he doesn't deserve more attention than others who have been harmed by Saudi Arabia. I think it's important to give due respect and attention to others. Um, so, for example, um, the lives of Yemeni citizens who have been killed by, because of Saudi Arabia need to get more attention. Um, Khashoggi's life is not more valuable than those who have been killed in Yemen. But I think the reason anyone like that Yemen's even on anybody's radar is because of because he died and because that was his issue because he was well liked by western journalists uh yeah i i get that but like it shouldn't have taken that to get the scrutiny i agree but it's incredibly shitty that's what it took i agree and i i, I agree with that i just think like I, I don't know it's like why all of a sudden why i mean, i guess it's like why is he getting all of the attention why not the yemenis who have been killed for so many because months, in the western year. media uh people write what they know and they knew him but how many of these western how many reporters have spent serious time in yemen how many are being allowed access to yemen how many have family in yemen they don't know yemen but they do know this guy i know but it's not like there's a lack of information about what's going on in Yemen. Again, that plus, if they're reporting news, they have to report new things and ongoing campaigns, which they don't have much access to, that are continuing, you know, isn't really news. It's just sort of, and the fact that no one's, no one on the international stage who can do something about it is doing something about it is but there are international aid organizations with people present there so i've i don't i don't see how information is not being accessed i i'd say it, like if the people who are doing international aid are there they're there either because the saudis or whoever's control of the region they're in allow them to be so if they say something to a journalist that isn't liked or who isn't later liked, it might get their access cut off for them to do actual good. Like, Well, on that note, can I maybe, I guess, can I talk about what we do know about what's going on? Of course. Okay. Um, just that I want, I want the Yemenis, the lives of Yemeni citizens who have been killed or, or whose life is in danger to get more scrutiny and I mean more attention. Yeah, and um, I don't. I I also want them to get attention, but I also want something to actually be done. I agree. Um, like on the international, like national level, not just. I know, but for people like us, what we can do is talk about it. That's what that's what we're able to do right now. I agree. Um, so I have a little more to say about it if if it's okay i I understand that like talking about it is not solving it, but I also think conversation's always important, yeah, because it would would maybe inspire people to call their senators, call a representative exactly, exactly. There are actionable things like that that don't take 
any really any effort and we never know who's listening you know yeah both both good and a little terrifying <laughs> so um all right so what i want to talk about regarding Yemen, uh people are still being killed either instantly or through starvation or lack of medical supplies so whoever is in a position to do so is to do so whether with their name like using their name or anonymously um people need to keep reading about and sharing information about what's happening in yemen and uh helping yeah like you said helping to motivate people around them to um call people in power to um give their factual uh feedback i mean their um sorry their voice knowledgeable yeah like um, feedback backed by knowledge uh, to people in power who have some kind of uh, <clears throat> voice in this. So um, a good article to check out is from The Guardian. It's in The Guardian from October 17th by Lloyd Russell Moy. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies, Russell. Lloyd Russell Moy. Yeah, I just don't know how to pronounce M-O-Y-E. So that's how it's spelled. Um, I will link this article too on our website. Um, So it examines why Saudi Arabia is under fire about Khashoggi, but not about the many Yemenis who have been killed because of Saudi Arabia. So um, here's the reason why. Um, I I mean, this is the reason that the article states and it makes sense, sadly. Uh, So why, basically, why are some lives placed over others? Um, That's always an important question to ask ourselves. And the article goes on to say that what happened to Khashoggi has not jeopardized any of the multi-billion dollar arms deals among U.S., Britain, and the House of Saud. So that's the difference. So these priorities have trickled down to the masses. The issue of Khashoggi is being talked about a lot more than the attack on Yemen because Khashoggi has been getting more regular coverage. Uh, you know, because of that, it's vital. It's like I said, and going in circles. I don't. I don't care. I don't. I'm going to say it again. It's vital that we as individuals use either private conversations, or social media, or whatever else to continue this needed conversation about Yemen. Um, Yemenis have lost their lives, and Khashoggi, and um, the has lost his life, and the lives of women at stake in jail. Um, all all of them deserve attention and care. So that that's my point. I hope it makes sense. Um, it does. I'm, yeah. I, I might sound frustrated, but that's because I am. And um, also, just to ca- to uh, give a little more info about this. So the Saudi-led war in Yemen has pushed millions to near starvation because so prices have. Prices of food in Yemen are rising quickly, which has caused an epidemic of hunger, and about half of Yemen's population will soon likely be affected by the epidemic. So um, 8 million people in Yemen already depend on emergency food aid to survive, which is not how things should be. Um, And listen to this. Saudi Arabia and the UAE together deposited $3 billion in January into Yemen's central bank. So that isolated piece of info might sound fantastic, right? Yeah. But who's getting getting that money and how's it being distributed? True. And even if it is being used in a worthy way, which highly doubtful, um, it's only that's only a distraction tactic um, because 
The Saudi-led coalition's attack on Yemen's economy, which has included the denial of salaries to civil servants, um, a partial blockade that has driven up food prices and printing of vast amounts of banknotes, causing the currency to plunge, uh, that has caused far, far greater damage than $3 billion can fix. So, um, To explain the bank the plunge thing a little more clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, when you deflate an economy, uh, what happens is usually the local population will pick up one of the neighboring or it, like popular international currencies to do business as this more stable. In the past, like in Central America, this has switched some governments officially over to using American dollars. Mm -hmm. In this case, the closest and most available currency would be the Saudi money. Which, yep. which would basically make them dependent somewhat on the Saudi government. Yeah. Oh, but but no. But they gave money. So didn't they fix it, Ellie? No, because this basically is like one part of basically taking <clears throat> over the government functions in Yemen. Yeah. It's just another like this thing of depositing money into the Yemeni's central bank or Yemen's central bank. It's like. That's just another control tactic. Rather than citizens themselves having access to basic necessities, money being put into the quote central bank. What does that even mean? Who is, yeah, like you said, who's getting access to that funding? And who benefits from it? Yeah, and who is in charge of distributing it? So, um, anyway. I'm, I guess I'm frustrated because like, I understand, I understand what you're saying, the cause and effect, how like Khashoggi's death caused more conversation about Yemen, but why is that okay? Like, why is that a reason that's okay? Why don't people, I, like, <clears throat> I think it's more like, why don't people care about Yemen on their own? And sadly, mm -hmm. I think it's just personal connection. Personal connection, but also like that article in the Guardian mentioned. What what does Khashoggi's death? What are the consequences to allies of Saudi Arabia, like the U.S. and Britain, if they talk about it? Like if versus yeah, this really huge arms industry. If people really cared about the Yemen crisis, like people in power really cared about the Yemen crisis, I mean, no one wants to impact, I mean, no one in power who's benefiting from the funding that's coming from, I don't know, from the arms industry, like no one's going to want to give that up. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, so this is my take. Um, so the U.S. arms industry is kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Employees, lots of people in the United States, so people who are employed by it are like, why would you want to threaten my job, you know? And they know, you could say, make the moral argument, well, it's like you're making weapons of war, and they'd be like, well, I'm doing it for, for any for defense. Defense or to feed my family, or this is just a job. It doesn't define me. And so... Why basically the people in the United States who benefit from this industry directly, either by ownership or employment, you know, don't want to see this go. More, more practically, if you are thinking about more the balance of power between the United States, Russia, China, 
China and every other major power that also has an arms industry, uh, they don't want those Saudi contracts to go to China or have them import from like North Korea because it would give them power. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> yeah, anytime you, anytime there is an industry and one person steps back from it, another will take their place and benefit from it. So that's the sort of practical political power considerations. And it's just, and to be very blunt in the international geopolitical power balance of power sense, Yemen does, doesn't mean anything when you're trying, when you're doing that, you know, it just, it's just a piece of land with a border that's basically exists at the, uh, at the goodwill of its neighbors and Saudi's goodwill air quotes has run out. When was it ever there? When they allowed them to exist, basically. Wow. Yeah, wow. So, so good-hearted. Uh, but, you know, geopolitical power games and what borders really mean. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't feel bad on talking about this, so I'm not going to be like, sorry for the, sorry for the doom and sorry for... No, I'm not sorry. So, there's yeah, that. We didn't start this war. <sighs> okay. Ellie, do you think we should publish this today on Thanksgiving? Uh, sure. I mean, it's it'll give some people, some people something to listen to during the everything. Yeah. If you're around any family members who are annoying you, or if family members have like been shitty and not invited you to stuff and you're just like I want to I want to just like be distracted or it's okay or like chill with people who get it um yeah so I feel like this should come out a day early because why the fuck not we make Mm -hmm. the rules anyway um in order to reach us should I change my voice should I have like a if you want to reach us, email. Do what you want. So to reach us, please email thequeerarabs at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Queer Arabs. And as always, our website is thequeerarabs.com. And also, as always, please rate and review us on iTunes. Okay, despite that voice, I am very genuinely... I mean what I said. Please review us and rate us on um, iTunes. It makes a difference. It makes the podcast appear for more people uh, to access it. It makes it accessible to people. Um, and just, uh, you know, giving us feedback so we know what we can improve or what we're doing well on. That's always really valuable, too. So, anyway. Happy Thanksgiving or whatever you want. Either happy Thanksgiving, happy fucksgiving, however you feel about Queers the holiday. Queersgiving, however you feel about the holiday. Happy fuck the colonizers day. This lesbian couple goes to Thanksgiving with their family. As they're cleaning up, uh, one one of the members of the couple is, picks up 20 plates and is trying to take it to the sink to help clean up. 
predictably, she drops these because, of course, why would you carry 20 plates? And the grandfather looks over and says, them lesbians with their slippery fingers. Uh, shamelessly stolen from like memes and Reddit or wherever it came from. I'm sorry, whoever that you, whoever originally came from that, you're awesome.